0: And I was talking, all of a sudden, my phone starts to ring, and it was a Denver number, and I just started to cry. Um, as I picked up the phone, uh, Mr. Elway was on the phone, and I was trying to, I was trying to listen, but I was crying. But and he just said, "We're excited to have you become a Bronco." When I get emotional talking about this part, but uh, it's a, uh, it's a dream come true. Knowing that uh, a team takes a chance on you, knowing that. All the odds are against you, uh, knowing that you grew up not a mother, growing up with a single parent, um, and knowing that I shouldn't be where I'm at today. Um, if you asked me where, where I should be, I would have probably told you I should have been in prison or somewhere on the street or in drugs with alcohol because that's where my life was headed.
1: Hello and welcome to Before the Lights podcast, stories behind high performers. I'm your host, Brittany Wilson. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Garrett Bowles, an NFL first round draft pick and left tackle for the Denver Broncos. He discusses how he came through a troubled early life involving a single parent home, alcohol and drug use, and even time in jail. Garrett is going to share how he completely turned his life around and now is living a happy, successful life, serving others and impacting many lives through faith, family and football. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you do, please screenshot it, share it on your stories, tag me, Brittany One Wilson and Garrett in your stories so we can get this story out. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get to it. Hi, Garrett. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
2: Great for
0: to be here.
1: So you just had your first year with the Denver Broncos, correct? Yes. Yes. So um, pretty successful year. How did it go for you, do you think?
0: It went good. Um, Getting drafted to Denver was, was a pretty special moment for me and my family. I never really expected to be where I'm at right now. Knowing where I came from, but knowing that there's a higher power person that that I believe is God that can bless anybody and give him any and let you live your dreams as long as you're in tune with him.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but your rookie year is it, it, crazy. Um, everything goes so fast, and you just have to come in ready to work and be be humble and hungry and learn from
1: every single person that's trying to help you. Yeah, absolutely. So, when you got drafted, what were your initial thoughts coming to Denver? um, Have you ever been to Denver before?
0: I have, so I served my mission for my church. Um, I'm actually Mormon. So, I um, served my mission here in Colorado Springs, but where my mission borders goes into Parker um, and all the way down to, like, Puerto New Mexico. So, coming back here is pretty special for me um, just because the people here that I love so much and um, all the people that I met on the street tracting or being in their homes trying to teach the Lord it's pretty special to know that this is where I get to have my job and be here for a really long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely so at first um, when you got into Denver, what were your, what was your initial mentality and how did you kind of approach your rookie season?
0: My initial thoughts were just um just get ready to work. Um, I know a lot of them. when I got trapped, a lot of guys reached out to me, of Thomas and Von Miller, the guy that I get to work with every single day. Um, and they were just they needed an offensive lineman to come in. That's what they were lacking, so they needed a tackle to come in and, and get the top done for them. So I knew I was a very physical player and I knew that I had some tools like that, but I knew I also needed to learn from some of the other people on my own line like Ron Leary and Maine League Watson and uh, Matt Parida and Max Garcia, the guys I was gonna play next to, um, also Billy Turner was playing on the other side. So I just knew that I needed to come in and and listen to them. But yeah, first it was hard um, because I was also 25 years old at the time with a family, so I was a little bit older than most people. Um, so being a rookie, you just need to really just shut up and get ready to work, um, and that was that was hard for me just because. I like, I like to talk, and, you know, I'm sort of I've learned it in a lot of ways, but I, I had to figure it out. Um, and just trusting them and, and working with them every single day. They got better and better every single day by working with Bob Miller and listening to those guys. But at the same time, I sort of hit a I hit a bump in the road. Um, some of the guys just wanted me to be quiet, and I wasn't being quiet. Just by asking a lot of questions. And go to your rookie year, you have ups and downs, and – um, you do have to do your rookie duties. Um, make sure you have food in the old lab room. Um, make sure you, and then you also have a rookie dinner that you have to take the offensive house. So all those things were new to me. Um, and in, in game, I learned from a lot of things. Some games were better than others. I had some, had some bad games, but I haven't lot. that. um it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. It's been my motto for a really long time, ever since I turned my life around. So just trusting that process and knowing that um your, your future is right ahead of you as long as you just keep working hard and trusting the process and trusting the people that are around you
1: yeah totally so going back to kind of the beginning um tell us just about a little bit about your early life and some of the struggles that you faced
0: um so i grew up um uh, i'm originally from california the bay area family moved to utah um so we settled down there. uh my dad served in the military, so he showed me hard up love and um he he played mom and dad um my biological mother was a recovering drug addict, so I never really had a mom growing up um and so I just had a dad um uh, my mom was addicted to severe drugs, and I had to realize um uh, that she wasn't gonna be around um so I suffered from that a lot, knowing I didn't have a mom and um I had older brothers. And I had, uh, had two little brothers and two little brothers and a sister, so we had a total of six kids in the house. But our household wasn't always the best. Um, you know, my dad was going from job to job and was always trying to w- find work to provide for us. My other two brothers moved out of the house, so I was really close with them, but they left and they had to go up and get married. So my, I was just basically just me and my little brothers Um my we got evicted from six different houses. Um, so that was really hard for me. Even knowing that I was the oldest one, and I didn't really have a dad or a mom at that time because my dad was struggling with my mom. Knowing that they got a divorce, um, and, and a lot of things have came out with that. I just knew that I had to sort of been for myself. Um, I said a lot of my stories I talk about. I said that I was homeless because I didn't really like being in a home. But it was hard for me to be at home because I always fought with my older brothers or my dad. Or I fought in school and got kicked out of school and sustained it. So everybody really known me as a scary kid in my neighborhood. Cops were called multiple times. Cops knew me by my first name. Um, I got I I hung out with the wrong group of friends. A lot of my friends that I thought were my friends were gang affiliated. A lot of them are still in jail and, and some of them are in prison, um, but I don't really, t- I don't talk to them at all anymore. But I, the reason why I joined that is because I didn't really have a family. But at, during that time, I had um, this, my neighborhood got together, my parents got together and realized what we needed to do to help these families. So these four moms came to me and sort of to help me. Um, they were sort of my 911 houses. So every time, Monday through Friday, they knew that I, I'd get trouble at night, so I'd go to their houses. they feed me dinner and help me with my homework. I struggled with school. I have a severe learning disability when um, I struggled with comprehending things and reading and, and math. So those, they just really helped me graduate from school. Um, I barely graduated high school with a 2.5 GPA, so I barely graduated with about two hours left before they'd been office closed. Well at that time, I moved away from that neighborhood with my sixth home. I got a from I was struggling during high school my senior year, I was just bouncing around from my football coach to some of my friends for A lot of my friends' parents knew that it was, I was struggling at home, so they just invited me here in. um during that time, like I arrested kind of my senior year for playing uh i did a high school prank and um at my arch rival high school with my transfer from across town, the cops bust me with a first-degree felony with gang enhancement, and you talk to more people that are involved in the incident, you get gang enhancement, trespassing and vandalizing, that's it. I yeah. uh, time yeah. in jail, um, but it was sort of a, a slap on the wrist um, and made me realize that I can't act like this no more. Um, the judge told me if she, she saw me back in here, she would um, give me zero to 10 years in prison just because she wanted to make a a statement out of me, I, I was going down the wrong road. I was doing a lot with drugs, alcohol, and figure out my life. My um, senior year, is I like, like, I barely graduated. My dad kicked me out of the house. I was homeless with all my belongings on the side of the road. Um, and at the time, my my lacrosse coach, which was the mom that lived in my neighborhood, um, he drove he drove down the street and stopped me with all my belongings and um, we pulled over and said, what's going on? I so said, I'm homeless, so I don't know what I need to do. So he called his wife because um, my dad said, you can't live with us anymore, so they moved to another home. Um, and they always told me that life would be better without me, so they they never really liked me at being at home, um, so I never really got along with him. So the family called his wife, he, a lacrosse coach, he uh, threw all my stuff in the back of the stuff we were driving the home. Um. My family was really big religious, but the first thing she did was like, let me pray. So she prayed and the Lord told her to bring her son home because um, she knew that she always wanted to have five kids. Hmm. But she knew at the time as I was doing homework with him um, that I wasn't ready to live with him yet, but she knew that I was ready to live um, and to change my life around. So the first thing she told me was to leave first. my stuff in the truck and come inside. Um, as I came inside, she gave me three rules. I had to turn my phone at night, get rid of my old friends, and I had to go to church. Hmm. It was hard for me because I never really had rules. I could stay up as late as I wanted to or come home when I wanted to just because my dad was worrying about my little brothers more than he was worrying about me. I struggled with rules, um, which led me into a lot of consequences that I had to face. And at this time, they had a bet on me that I wasn't gonna last more than two days or, or two weeks.
2: Hmm.
0: So at this time, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Do I want to go into the military? Do I want to go into Peace Corps, where you go down to Africa and build orphanages? Or do I want to go into like a, a job corps, where you go to the school and you can learn like plumbing or be an electricianist or somebody like that, that helps you find a job as you go to school for this. And once you graduate, they'll find you a job and you can go work. Or I'm gonna go serve a mission to my church. I never really wanted to serve a mission or do any of that. I tried to go in the military, like my father, but uh, he I just kept failing the task, like I said, so it was really weird. Um, so I went in to my church leader, which we call Bishop in the Mormon church. He sort of like a pastor and a lot of other churches. Um, I went in there and talked to him, and I basically told him everything about my life. Uh, the first six months living with the, the Freeman home, which is my lacrosse coach's family, uh, I, I saw that my good spirits were fighting with my bad spirits. So I had to, it was really hard for me trying to turn my life around. I'd always take one step forward or a couple steps back and it, and that's what it was like for the first couple months. Um, and it, this was the first time where I was trying to follow rules and trying to, uh, turn my life around like I've been saying. So I was talking to my bishop. He told me I was going to serve a mission. Um, And I'm a big religious man, so when Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is a lot of people are, when he fasted for us for 40 days and 40 nights and poured out every soul, he understood us that during that time as he was doing that, he understood that every time we go through a trial or a affliction, he bled that out and he felt the pain for us and he suffered for us. So when I saw that picture on his wall, I started to cry and realized that the Lord can bless me as I trust in Jesus, God, and the Lord that he can can give me what I needed. So as my bishop, as he told me that I needed to serve a mission. I started crying and I looked at him, and said, I'm gonna serve a mission. So he had this plan on this piece of paper of everything I need to do. Then I'm gonna pay my tithing, then I'm gonna go to church, then I'm gonna read the Book of Mormon and Bible and uh, just really turn my life to him. And that's what I did. Um, for about a year from October 2011, to about May 2012 is when I officially finished the Book of Mormon, which is another testament of Jesus Christ in our religion, Mm -hmm. which God appears to people here in America as the Bible appears to people in Jerusalem. So that's what we believe in. So as we studied, as I studied the Book of Mormon and finished it, it felt great. Um, And as I finished, there's a chapter in the back of the Book of Mormon, which is Moroni, chapter 10, verse 3-5, through which I all the time it says if you ask asking God in real to having faith in Jesus Christ you'll know that these things are true so I prayed that after I finished I went down to my mom I call her mom now her name is Emily King, my lacrosse coach's wife but I do call her mom now and I said mom um, what do what do I do I finished and she's like did you do this challenge did you pray to know if you things are came I was like no so the next night I went back and I prayed and it felt like a lightning bolt at me, knowing that this is what I need to do at this time, is to believe in Jesus Christ and the Lord and, and serve my mission. For so the next year, all I did was prepare. I worked in the garage door business with my lacrosse coach, Greg, at the time. Um, and he, he gave me a job when nobody else would give me a job. And I said the same blessings from following my church, following Jesus Christ, and following... Uh, and following the promises that he has promised us. He goes, you shall not, you shall not with you. Um, and knowing that he's there for you. And that's what happened. Slowly but surely my life started to around. I started, uh, lovely doing the things that I needed to do. Um, and as I served my mission, I got called to Colorado Springs, which was another turning point in my life. And our mission, we served for two years. So as I came down here and I served, it was such a blessing to me knowing that uh, I can come here and serve the people. Um, I, have, I have so many friends out here, and it was a definitely a big turning point watching other people come into Christ, watching other people going from a drug addiction to turning their completely life around and holding a full-time job. Or, and we were just another witness of these guys here going from door to door, talking to people on the streets, meeting with our members of our church or meeting with non-members and helping them realize them closer to Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose of missionaries. Um, and so as I did that and I came home, I knew I always wanted to play football. I knew that that was my dream. Um, so at this time, as I came home, I, I realized that my mom realized that if I had to go to school, I had, if I had to go play football, I had to go to school. I knew I struggled with the oh struggled with school.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as I struggled, With school, um, it was, that's where my learning disability came, so it was really hard for me. So as I, uh, tried to play football, I had an opportunity to go down to Still College, which is a junior college, and uh, about two and a half hours south is about Lake City, in a small town called Ephraim, which is no more than about 2,000 people within three towns next to each other. So it's a really small school, but when the students come, it, it goes to 4,000 kids. Those just like a 4A or a 5A school. Huh. Um, as I went down there, um, I saw that this is where I needed to be. Um, I met with this lady called Gwen Lee Hardy, which was my tutor, and she got all my classes. And I knew that um, I had to take their school before I can let my dream playing football. My mom my mom gave me a, a rule that said when you have cleats on you're the first one on the field and you're the last one off and you run everywhere and when you're done with football you're the first one in the library and you don't leave until the library is closed steady, you study your run off hmm. and that's what i did um i met the people i needed to meet uh in the first in the first two years or the first years that i was there um i i can't even remember how many classes i missed um uh, i throw to football, and after football, I'd go from the library from about 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night, and I knew I had to study because I struggled. Eventually, I saw my GPA go up. Um, as I was out of snow college, I graduated with a 3, 4, 5 GPA with my associate's degree, and I had an opportunity to go play college football. Um, it was really crazy to me how all these schools started contacting me as long as I took care of school. Um, Alabama, Auburn, um, basically all the schools in the SBC, um, Florida, Florida State, um, Ole Miss, Oregon, USC, all the schools in the Pac-12, uh, Big 12, and there's a lot of schools in the Big 10 also. So I had schools all over the country. Um, it was really hard for me to decide which one I wanted to go to, but I knew I needed to make the tours, um, at Snow College, there was, um i had a program there where i had tutors and i was checking with them and um my coaches were really involved a lot of my coaches at still college were graduating assistants at utah before they came down and took their first job so everything they did just felt right and i knew academics was big for me i knew that if i take care of academic football would take care of itself it sort of kept that model um and so as utah started recruiting me and other schools started recruiting me i knew i needed the school that represented me uh, head coach, I needed a relationship with my head coach, my offensive coordinator, my own line coach. I knew I needed that to be successful at the next level. So I just tested myself again. Um, I knew that I would find the right school, but during this time at Snow Cause I was going into my last season, and um, I finished really good. Um, and then more schools started contacting me. So I think I had. 30 plus offers yeah. but during my time at snow college I, I met my beautiful wife um natalie she's been the biggest blessing to me um don't know how i got her but i know the lord blessed me with her um so we've been married for two years i'm very grateful for her and all that she's taught me but during this time she was another turning point in my life and then i can have a companion because i knew i wanted to get married before i go to division one just because i know my intentions and know that I'm an impulsive person. So having somebody like that, that can help me. Um, eventually, my mom couldn't help me as much because she was busy and I was getting older, so I needed somebody that was just going to be just like my mom to remind me of the things I believe in, remind me that I can do things. And that's what my wife does for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we chose to go to the University of Utah. Um, during that time at University of Utah, I, I came in and I had. I, they told me I had an opportunity to start, so I did exactly the same thing that I did at Snow College and that it would help me. Um, as I went to Snow College, twice. I went to Utah, um, I, I started all 16 games. Um, I did really good at Utah. I, I left early. I declared for the draft. During that time, I, I didn't really know what I needed to do, if, if I needed to go back for my senior year or prepare for the NFL draft, because I knew I was getting... Um, I was like second to third round grade. The junior coach can turn in a piece of paper that says, to the animal scouts, what rounds are you? So I had one first round bid, and I had a lot of second and third round bid. I just wanted to make another decision. When I make big decisions, I go, I go to our temple. that um, so We can go in and just discuss the love of the Lord. By that time I got an answer to acting faith, some of you probably are gonna ask, well, that's a simple that's a simple question. Well, that's a simple answer. Why why would the Lord give you act faith? Well, I truly believe in acting in faith and trust the Lord that he can bless you with anything. It doesn't matter what path you go down, what job you accept, because um, I feel like there's lots of directions your life can go. But you'll know when you get to that time when you need to make a big decision in your life that the Lord can always help you with those decisions if that's school, if that's to get married, is that to for me to go into the NFL or to stay for your senior year? Or is this the what classes I should take so that I graduate the fastest? It can be anything. My Lord and active pace will be able to take you wherever you need to go. And that's what I did, I trusted him. So I declared for the NFL draft and I met with agencies, which was so crazy how you know, many agencies came and contacted me. But when I was at another turning point in my life, I knew I could trust the Lord. So at that time, I did exactly the same thing. Let's let's pick a guy that's gonna represent me well. I didn't want a guy, as, as I was going into the biggest job interview of my life, to have a background like me if he got arrested or if he's a drinker or if he's gotten a DUI. Cause I don't, I don't drink or smoke. Um, I left that life behind me as I got married and, and turned my life around and trusted the Lord. So at that time I, I picked five agencies um that I felt like that was the most in bike band that can um that could answer the questions to the GM, to the GMs and the owners of the teams that I am a that I turn my life around that I can play football um at the highest level and, and impact your team. And that's exactly what I did. So I chose Rev1 Sports, which is out of um, Orange County, Irvine, California. Um, his name is Chase Callahan's He's been awesome. Um, he's, he's a Christian-like man and believes in God and does, as we talk and discuss about my job, he, he does everything. So right um, at that time when I was picking in Asia, my baby was born on, on December 21st. His name is Kingston. Um, he's about 18 months now. So it's crazy how life flies As you are uh, having fun and as you trust in, trust in the Lord like my family does, as I leave my family to do, um, at that time, my son was barely born, so we packed up all of our stuff, moved to California and started training. Um, eventually, as I was training, my agent was getting back. There was an opportunity for me to get drafted in the first round. I just had to go see what I need to do to run at the combine. I knew I wasn't the strongest at the combine, but I knew that I was the most um, athletic. So I did everything that I needed to do on the 40-yard 40, 40 dash, the vertical jump, the broad jump, the... L drill and the the pro show that I knew I wanted to be the best, the top two, and everything. That's how I trained. Mm-hmm. Once I put my mind to something, I always tell people that I have the fire in the back of my head that continues to burn, and that's the thing that pushes me forward. Every person just of me in my whole life, saying that can't do this game. You're never going to get to where you need to be. Um, so why don't you just give up now? You're a failure. Used to tell me. That's what a lot of the people around my area used to tell me. I always told them, I'm going to play in the NFL one day. They always used to laugh at me. I said, well, watch me. <laughs> As I was going through this process, I had I had a, I had a determination that I can get to where I needed to be. After the combine, I, I finished first in everything. Um, I met with about all 32 teams. They either worked me out, I met them at the combine, or they brought me in for uh, a private workout or just meeting with the owners. Just because a lot of them had red flags on me. Um, There's a test called the Wonderleg test which sort of determines um, how smart you are. But I struggled with tests um, and I knew that I was going to struggle so I practiced so hard for it but I still struggled. Um, About three days before the NFL drafts, my learning disability came out um, and showed that I got a 9 on my Wonderleg score. So a lot of teams were questioning whether I was going to get drafted first round or not. Hmm. Um, But I met with Timber, I met with a lot of teams. New York and Seattle and Houston were sort of my teams that I felt like I was going to go to. Um, but as I came to Denver, I felt something special here. As I met with Mr. Elway and met with all the scouts and my coaches, I just felt like this was a great place to be in my family. Knowing so that it was close to home, so that my mom needs to come out here and help my wife and my son, that she can get here. So at this time, I, had, I got an invitation to go to the NFL draft, which was in Philadelphia, um, and only 20 players get invited, so I was really grateful and lucky that I got invited. But during that time in Philadelphia, um, I was I was struggling. I was doubting if I should be here. Like I said, teams were saying, I don't know if we're going to take them in the first round, so I was really scared and, and eager just because this was my biggest job interview, and why would? why would a test determine if I can play football or not? That's what I was saying in my head. But during this time, this, it was so interesting. As we stayed in our hotel and I looked out my window, there was the Philadelphia Temple there, the first time when I came to a crossroad if I should go in the NFL or not. So I knew that it just helped with my, I walked around the, the Temple grounds and knew that I had to act in faith. Um, and so that night, that next day, I acted in faith as I walked on the red carpet with my family. And, Everybody was asking me all these questions, and I was just so grateful to be there. So all of a sudden, that the draft started, and I was sitting in that green room with all the players and there's cameras, and everything's going crazy. And I had my O-line coach from Utah, Coach Harding, there, and Butch and my head coach, and my my father, grow most of my biological father, he was there, which I was grateful to have my real dad there. And and then my in-laws were there, and then the family that took me in been and great cream were there so I was really grateful to have all of my loved ones there, including my wife and my son so also all these kicks started coming around and I thought I was gonna land higher than I did um and my agent kept shaking his hand up came by so I was getting really nervous and angry like why are these things passing on me so I, all I did was I knew that at this time I needed some strength but I prayed um and I bowed my head and the Lord just gave me comfort um, during this time, which was a crazy time in my life, knowing that it's either make it or break it. You only get one opportunity to in the NFL. And if your time comes, then you got to take it. If it doesn't come, then you know you got to move on with your life. So mm-hmm. as I was sitting there, pick you know, one through 18, one through 19 came along. As 19 came along, Tampa Bay was on the clock and I was getting nervous. All of a sudden, their pick came in and Denver was on the clock. And I was talking and all of a sudden my phone starts to ring and it was a Denver number and I just started to cry. <sighs> um, as I picked up the phone, uh, Mr. Elway was on the phone and I was trying to I was trying to listen, but I was crying But and he just said we're excited to have you beat the a Bronco when I get emotional talking about this part. But uh it's uh it's a dream come true knowing that a uh, team takes a chance on you knowing that all the odds are against you, uh, knowing that you grew up with not a mother, growing up with a single parent, um, and knowing that I shouldn't be where I'm at today. Um, if you asked me where, where I should be, I would have probably told you I should have been in prison or somewhere on the street or in drugs with alcohol because that's where my life was headed, knowing that I struggled with school. I didn't really want to be in school. But I kept working on it. Um, every time I came to uh, a crossroad of my life, I, ha- I knew that there was somebody watching me. And then I realized later in life that, that it was the lowest. Um And so as I came in here, as I got drafted, I was so grateful to know that an organization loved me, that they trusted me to protect the quarterback, that they trusted me with all the me, they trusted me. I got great teammates around me. Um, and I'm excited to go into my, I um, learned so much from my rookie year and knowing that I just need to be basically shut up and get to work. Um, And I'm I'm excited to see what happens with our team, though. we got a bunch of new pieces. uh, And I'm just very grateful to be where I'm sitting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's such an amazing story. And honestly, when you were talking about finally getting drafted, getting that call, it almost, like, gave me chills just with everything that you've been through and finally getting to realize that. So that was just amazing. What would you – obviously – Getting adopted, your family, your mom, you talk about your mom a lot, and the Lord, that all helped you kind of realize, turn your head, turn your ways, and kind of help you realize this dream of yours. If there was somebody kind of in a similar spot, kind of had a hard upbringing, is going through that right now, maybe isn't having the opportunities or getting exposed to faith or the Lord or um, good role models, what do you think? are some things you'd recommend to those people who are going through similar struggles that you went through and finally came out of
0: I think I had to realize I had to I had to trust somebody that that knew that was trying to help me. Because I had take trust is she was saying, like my family always found me a lot of things that I never saw happening. So I struggled with trust. But though Emily as I call her mom, I'm the cross coach's wife at the time, I knew that I had to trust her. Because I remember there was a point where she says, why don't you trust me? And I said, what do you mean? Because I used to always argue with her and always get mad when she was trying to help me. She said, why don't you trust me? Why don't you, why don't you put trust in me? I said, well, you don't trust me. So why should I not trust you? And she said, well, I do trust you. Um, but I don't trust you because I don't know if you're going to make the right decision. And that hit me really hard knowing that she said that because I knew that I I had it had to fall back on me before she can help me. Um. So I had to trust. I had to put somebody. I had to put my trust in somebody that I that I knew, sort of that she was going to help me. she put me in her home. She gave me clothes. She gave me food. She she taught me what I needed to do. They gave me a job and an opportunity that most families wouldn't just pick up a kid up off the street or taking a troubled team. um but i knew that people in the lord and the lord believes in second cancer and that's and that's what they gave me so as I it doesn't matter how you start it matters how you finish find somebody find your passion what is your why my why was i had a I needed to turn my life around and then i haven't and determination and a flower that continues to push me forward. I have a family that loves me. I have a beautiful wife that's done that I rely on people's day to be successful. Because um, if I'm not successful, they're not successful. So I have to find every single day I have to wake up and say, am I gonna be the new Garrett that the Lord transferred me into? Or am I gonna be the old Garrett and make them fishing and not continue to fall? So I have to, I. it's up to you are you going to be? Are you going to be a person that you know that you say not to be, or are you going to change to the? And that's what was the biggest turning point was what I realized that I needed to change and knew that it was my my fault that I needed to man up and take the, the responsibilities. And that it's okay to fail. It's okay to make. It's okay to make mistakes, but it's what after those mistakes is what counts. Are you going to easily make those mistakes again, or are you going to come to a crossroad and say, you know what? I, there's those mistakes. There's those mistakes I made. Now it's time for me to turn. Excuse me. Turn. Turn right. Turn left. And walk around them, and leave those mistakes behind, and become the person you need to become.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and. Do you think that kind of mentality that you've formed through all of those circumstances follows you now and just how you play and how you train? Just, you know, if you make a mistake, you kind of bounce back, whether it be in life or in football?
0: Absolutely. Well, like I said, my hardest thing, I, didn't, I don't like to fail. I know as an athlete you can push yourself to fail, right? You can run as many laps you can. You can can block as many shots in the goal, or as me, I can block Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and Marvin Ingram in my division, or Vaughn Miller or Stan Ray, but I can fail to that point where if they beat me, that's okay. But in life, I'm scared to fail. In dark moments of my life, or where I'm by myself, I'm scared to fail. I had to work through those. And it wasn't easy, it was hard, but I had to, I met with the counselor. Um, I still continue to meet with the counselor every day, not because I need it, because I want it. I love to help me. I'm a very I do the same thing every day. Um, I pray and read every morning, and I meet with my counselor once a week. And before every game, I do mean, with just to get that spirit um, thought of my life. I know Spirit can help me play, but play I can be. Um, so that's what I, that's what I thought that I needed to do. Um, is continue to find those things and craft those things. But finding that attitude and that determination is not easy. And a lot of people are gonna say, Well, how did you do it? Well, some people are blessed like and, some people and that's why you but uh, you gotta knock out uh, out of your, your arms is that you have to take it up yourself. Nobody can fight for you. Nobody can do the things for you that you think be So there's a permanent life, but you have to realize I'm just speaking out of my mouth, or I'm going to show people my actions because they're saying actions speak louder than words, which is 100% true. If you just keep speaking and you're not showing the actions towards what you're saying, then people are just going to continue to get to that point where they're not going to help. But if you realized that I have to show actions to these people. And the things that come out of my mouth, I have to be careful and think before I act. You get to a point in life where it's like, you know what, I can do this. I believe in everybody that can do it. It's not an easy process. It took me years to get to where I'm at right now. But slowly but surely, I started to change. And people started to believe in me. And once they saw that I was changing, that's when people wanted to help me. Not because I was a football player, and you know I have everybody says I have all this money, and I have a beautiful wife, and a in a house, and all the things that I have now. No, it's none of that stuff would, means anything to me besides of me knowing that I love the Lord, I love my religion, I love having that air and that um, warm feeling inside of me. I love having my wife and my son as we work and through this world together. Without them, I would be nothing, and that's what I have to do yet to get the moral to right, for your determination, and before you're eager to even become something in your life. And once you feel that what your why is, why do you do the things that you do? Then that why would then be a determination of fire, and just continue to burn and help you move forward.
1: Yeah, and I know you talk about Natalie and Kingston a lot, and just how they impact your life. What do you think? that change was like when you finally um, you know had Natalie with you and then finally had Kingston do you think that's a whole new kind of set of lessons that you learned of how to um, not only be successful on the field and in life but with a family and how to serve a family and all that stuff
0: oh absolutely Um, the cool thing is knowing that I have a family is it's my family Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it's not it's nobody else's, it's mine. It's probably, when I got married, it was the first time in my life I realized that I, I had my own family. Like, I get to run how I want to run it. I get, I get to work with my wife, how we want to work together. But it, it was hard for my wife at first because I never really knew how to, uh, I don't, I don't want to say, like, treat a woman, but at the same time, I, I saw things in my life where most kids shouldn't go through. Um... You know, all I knew was your oh, mom does this, but when I moved into the Freemans at 18 years old, that was probably the first time I realized what a mom is that loves you and cares for you, that will do anything for you, and what a wife does to a husband, knowing that she does everything she can to make that husband successful. And the husband does the same thing, of giving that wife whatever she wants and giving and being that companion for her and listening to her when she's hurting and listening to her. When she's trying to talk to you, that was hard for me is listening. Um, so I had to realize that I had to listen to her of what she's feeling, of what she's going through, and trying everything I can to, to fix that situation and to, and to get us on the right track so that she can be successful as long as... If she's successful, I'm successful. You know that saying, happy wife is a happy life? It's 100% true. <laughs> um, giving everything that she has to make her happy um, but my wife is very simple. All she wants is to make, make sure that I'm happy and taken care of. If Kingston's happy and taken care of. Uh, and Knowing that we have a beautiful son, Kingston, which is about 18 months better, um, he's been the blessing in our lives. Knowing that now, I have a son and a wife that was up. And I had to realize, you know what, the choices I was making when I was single and by myself, I can't make those same choices. I can't go out with the guys like I used to or go out with friends, you know, I, always, I have my wife now. So, you know, we're very simple people. You know, our saying is face Family Football. So if you see me hold up three fingers, that's that's what it represents, Face Family Football. We don't make any decisions. We don't make any choices unless it follows in those three categories. Yeah. If it doesn't follow those three categories, we have to stop and ask, why should we do this? Because we know every time, if we don't follow those three categories and make a decision up elsewhere, then we know we're going to fall every single time. But we know if we make decisions like faith, family, football in that order, we know we'll never fall.
1: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It seems like even from just having a family, it's just such a huge impact on your life that um, having your own family, like you talked about, I mean, I haven't realized that, but um, like you said, growing up in a family that maybe hasn't shown you the right ways to, you know, treat a spouse or something. It's really cool to see somebody who's taken their past and changed it and now is like having a successful life, happy life and just like learning so much from that. So that's that's definitely awesome. So so cool how you turned everything around. Um, and you said uh, earlier that you go and speak. Um, you're definitely a huge impact in the community. Just talk a little bit about that and, and what you do.
0: Well, absolutely. Um, last year, was my was my um, and I always wanted to have a foundation and, um, as my home, as my family, to help trouble teens and kids with learning disabilities. And my wife works with kids with disabilities. Uh, autism and um, people that grow up with a single parent home that are struggling. Or those kids are the ones that we need to reach out to. As you go around the world, it, you see all the things with school shootings or people that are bullied, people that are teased because of the way that they look or the way that they speak. Mm-hmm. These are the kids that are struggling. As you watch time and time again, all these things on the news of people innocent lives being affected by people's decisions well these kids are need the kids that are causing these things are giving us warnings and giving us lights and we need to help these kids these kids are the ones that we need to help instead of bullying them and calling them dumb or stupid because they learn differently or they look differently or they act differently doesn't give us any right to call them dumb or stupid i hate those words Mm-hmm. So I teamed up with a foundation called the NCLD, which is the National Center for Learning Disabilities. Disabilities. Um, and I go around schools and talk to them about my life story. I've done a lot of schools in, in the Denver area, but I also speak in Utah, California. I'm starting to slowly, in East, the East Coast, I just go around during the, my off-time, And see, to help kids realize, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Don't let anyone tell you you can't become somebody you want to become. If you want to become a police officer, a fireman, a doctor, uh, a professional athlete, you can You can live those dreams.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, just because you can't do math and you're, and you're better at reading than others and another person's better at math, but you're better than reading than the other person, doesn't mean that they can't read or they can't write or they can't do math. It just means they learn differently and yeah. our education system that's where we need to help those kids the most so we can stop all this stuff in the world and that's what my foundation is um, I lo- I'm launching my foundation called the Achievement 3 Foundation which is the 3 stands for for me and my family is play family football mm-hmm. those are the 3 things that have helped me overcome but those 3 things you have to have 3 things in your life to turn your life around mine were faith family and then football because that's my job and that's what I provide for my family. so other people do things can be like I'm gonna stay in the front row of the class I'm gonna sto- I'm gonna study a little extra or I'm gonna do an extra or I'm gonna stay out to practice and shoot on the goal or I'm gonna block shot or I'm gonna kick an extra football or I'm gonna catch extra or I'm gonna catch-, catch a little more or I'm gonna hit the ball a little bit more after practice. all those three things, It can be anything that you feel like it can be a determination for you to reach your dreams. Um, And that's what I want kids to know, that you have to have three things in your life for you to turn around. And I promise you, if you find your three biggest problems and you fix those three biggest problems, then you can go into your next three. Eventually, you would turn six things around in your life and you're right where you need to be. Um, And that's where I I come in and help these kids realize that you can live your dreams by just changing three things at a time, and realizing what the most important thing. Achieving those three things, and watch what that. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it seems like again, like you make such a huge impact in the community, and you've learned so much from what you struggled with, whether it be the learning disability or your past, and. Uh, these kids definitely look up to you and I think it's it's huge that you take the time we talked about this but it's huge that you take the time out of your day and out of your time because you're obviously busy with professional football it's not easy um, but to just affect lives because you have such a huge impact so that's that's amazing and then obviously you've touched on uh, this topic a little bit but If you were to be able to go back to when you started football, when you started sports in general, um, back in that hard time in your life, with all of that, all the things that you learned um, from your failures, your past, if you could go back, what are some two or three things that you'd tell that kid?
0: Sorry, say that one more time.
1: Okay, so if you were able to go back um, to the very, very beginning uh, just when you started football um, with everything that you've learned through your life, all your lessons, what are two or three things that um, you'd tell that kid now?
0: Um, hang in there. That's, that's probably the first thing. Don't give up. Um, know that. Trust the process and work hard. Yeah. You know, some people are saying hard, hard work. I don't know if I could do hard work. Well, the reason why people say you don't know how to do hard work is because you've never been taught how to work hard. Yeah. Or, you, or you've never seen hard work. But hard work is not running as many laps or sweating. Hard work is just training your mind, knowing that you can do anything to your mind. You know when they say power over mind or mind over power? Or something? I can't remember that thing, but it's something like that. Mm-hmm. It's true. Your mind wanders uh, you know a million miles an hour, but if you just slow it down, starting at a young age and realizing, you know what, these are my dreams. How am I going to overcome these? How am I going to get to these dreams? what what? What's the outcome? Or if I do, these, if I do leave these dreams, what, what are the things that I'm going to run into? Um, And that's what I would tell the younger Garrett is know that, hey, if you trust and know that, you know, finally finally I had a power and I had to find the Lord. And so I wish I found the Lord at a young age and realized that it's important But also, you know, find find a family that loves you. Don't don't be around people that don't love you, because that's just that's just negative. That's just negative coming into your mind. So if you find someone that loves you and believes in you, why not why not surround yourself with those people? Don't surround yourself with people that are uneducated or not or that that don't want to I shouldn't even say uneducated, people that talk negatively. Or help those people that talk negatively realize, you know what? If you're if you're positive and you put your mind to something, mind can overcome any that's what I would tell um
1: or so. Yeah, and it's crazy how you touched on just the fact that it's not necessarily how many laps you run or how hard you sweat, right? Because everybody, I feel like they think you need to outwork the next person I think that's something right now I'm even struggling with I want to play professionally and get reinvolved with the national teams and sometimes you know I just want to be the hardest worker out there but then don't really focus on the mentality piece and, and don't really think about how much maybe not talking about certain subjects can affect me even just playing soccer let alone my life and it's so, so important to focus on just your mind because it's so crazy how you don't realize how much you can really accomplish with that.
2: Yeah. Oh, for
0: sure. Yeah. I feel like that's... uh, You nailed it right on the dot knowing that you have to... It's your mind controlling your mind and and balancing your mind with your life and where it's going in a direction If you figure that out. That's why I speak so loudly and passionate about where i come from and people that struggle with learning disabilities or mental health or autism that you know the lord blesses you with those things to not punish you but he blesses you with those things because he knows that you can endure it Mm -hmm. that's what i want people to know that the lord doesn't bless you with anything that you can't overcome yeah Because there's always something out of that challenge that you've through it that you can learn, and you need to experience at the time of your life. And that's a lot of people don't realize that, and just say, "Oh, you know, I'm going through this hard time." But you're going through that hard time for a reason. So don't, don't be negative about the hard time. Be positive about the hard time. Be like, okay, I'm going through a certain time in my life. How do I overcome this? And what do I need to learn from this situation? And now every something hard, I think. Back and realize, you know what? This is what I need, to do. or this is what I learned from. It. And then I apply it in my life, and I realize that every single time, it's always the same things that just help remember of where I come from, or remember what my purpose is and what my why is. Really interesting to even to see that and to know that the Lord is always there with me,
2: and is always there with every single person mm-hmm. if you just listen. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's funny because I was even talking to my uh, coach the other day. His name's Levi Rossi, and he just had me in as a meeting. And he's like, "It's so easy to really just put up a front and not think of of the things you've gone through." Or for people, whether it's like the people that you help, whether they're struggling with. Uh, Um, a learning disability or whether it's kind of dealing with stuff in your past it's so easy to really kind of just almost forget about those things and try to just not think about them Um, but that can just lead it to be such an unhealthy thing and really it's important to talk about them and take care of yourself kind of and realize it's okay like you said to not be okay and and kind of just figure figure it out from there so Um, so you talk a lot about just your impact you have, and obviously you have a huge platform because of football, and that's amazing, but my last question here is, if you never had football in your life, um, never had any sports, uh, how would you want to be remembered? What legacy would you want to leave? Um, and how would you want to be defined? Oh,
0: that's a good question, um... Because without football, I, I don't really know where I would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably be in a nine to five day job. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but
0: uh, that's all that's all right. Um Or well, I'd probably still doing garage doors or working with my lacrosse coach at Diamond Rental, which is a all that rental of just setting up tents and, and chairs and stages for weddings or big parties, but. You know, I look I look at that and say, you know, there's probably there's probably another path I could have gone on, um, but I knew, but the Lord knew that football was my outlet. But if I look back and realize what would i would be doing? I probably, I probably still be just speaking to kids. To be honest, um, I knew I always wanted to be a counselor um, and open up a boys' home and help kids realize um, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish, like they keep saying. But uh. You sort of stumbled me on this question because it's, it's actually really hard for me to answer because mm-hmm. I don't really know what I would be doing 100%. Because playing in the NFL or reaching your dream, um, it's sort of like a never ending dream, right? You feel like you've lived this life forever, and the life before you, you know, live a dream of yours is to play the highest play or be the highest, play the highest level of soccer. among is to be in the NFL like I am. So, it's sort of it's sort of weird knowing where I'm at and trying to think about a question that I don't really know yeah. um, the outcome, just because I put so much time and effort into where I'm at now. But if I had to guess, if I would be with kids, I'd be with kids, or... Um, I know I'd be married and be with Natalie in Kingston,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it would probably just be a different situation. If I probably want to be here in Denver. I probably would still be in Utah, and, just trying kind to of be a big influencer in my community and just serving others. Um, that's what I love to do. I love to serve, and that's what really helps me grow up, also. Um, but just the kids, I love kids. Kids in general are just such innocent people, but also they can fill their head with you know negative, negative things. And so I, I would love just to be that person where they can come talk to you and help me over. Let me help them um, overcome
1: but at that time. Yeah. It seems like regardless of of football, I know it's made such a huge impact on your life and brought you to where you are, but regardless, you just help help children and that are struggling and you just bring love to your family and everything. And so it seems like that's your legacy, regardless of what you do on the field. But obviously, it's brought you to where you are today. So thank you so much for sharing your life, your lessons, and all your hardships. And best of luck to you for everything in the future. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
0: Are hey, you welcome. Best of luck with you, too. And um, I'm excited to see where you end up also.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks so much again for listening to Garrett's story and for tuning into the podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and again, share this if you can on any of your social media outlets to get this story out and help impact others' lives. I hope today's story inspired you to go out, live your story, and don't be afraid to share it.